Hey everyone, welcome to the Dwayne and Jennifer show, but today it's just the Jennifer show. Dwayne's been fired, folks. And I have Emmy Souza with me as my special guest, and we're going to hear her story. All right, Emmy, my friend, how are you? I'm good. You're here. Yes. Or I'm here, because yeah. I'm in Brazil still, and Dwayne's back home. Yes. That's and we're good. doing a podcast together. We're doing a podcast. For the Jennifer and Dwayne's podcast. Yes. Not F-Hop. Not F-Hop, no. So, okay, so we did a podcast with Vinny, mm-hmm. and we heard his story. And you guys have similar stories, but different details. Yes. And so I just want to hear from you about your story of being of being in Brazil and then moving to London. And so tell me a little bit about that. Because you moved when you were six, is that right? Seven. Seven, okay. Yeah, seven and a bit. Um, I grew up, I, I mean, I, I was born in Brazil in Curitiba. Yeah? A very nice city, in my opinion. I don't know if you like Curitiba. I like it, but it's cold yeah. and gray. It's, well, it's similar to London. Exactly, that's why I love it. <laughs> It was prophetic that I was yes, born exactly, there. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so I was born in Curitiba, lived there till I was five, then moved to Maringá, which is uh, more, I don't know the directions. Yeah, it doesn't anyway, matter. Anyway, Maringá for two years and then moved to London. Okay. My parents were going through a divorce at that time. Mm-hmm. So my dad went first. It seemed like we were not going to see each other anymore. But then after a year that he had been in London, he started calling us again saying he wanted to restore the family and be together again. And so my mom said, okay, why not? Let's give it a try again. Okay. And, and so what precipitated moved. him going to London alone? Um, so uh, just to give some context, I was born in a Christian home, however, very um, not so much christian <laughs> i mean we were christian in the sense of going to church but yeah. the behaviors wasn't so christian yeah, and yeah so my parents used to fight a lot argue a lot and their marriage let's say wasn't the best yeah at this point and um it got to a point where i mean th- they argued so much and uh and i think we're going to talk about this some point t- today in this podcast but um where they started to actually fight and you know and actually um got to a point physical fighting yeah where it got really bad yeah and my dad actually um at one, at one specific fight i ended up going to um prison for wow it, for it okay and at this point he um in brazil i think it's kind of different from america and and the uk uh he got out i mean I don't know if it was testimonies at that point that was given. So he got out, and that's the point that he got out, not how he got out. And um, my auntie, that was his sister, lived in London and Mm -hmm. said, come to London, start your life again. Like, you need to fix up. You need help. Like, come be with me. And it was actually really good for him, in my opinion. Because Brazil, he he wasn't doing really well here. And so he went to... So he gets out of prison and goes to London, kind of like to have a fresh start. Yes, yes. Okay, and while there, he starts going, hey, I've made some mistakes. Let's restore the family. Yes. Okay. Because I I do believe my dad had some kind of fear of the Lord. Yeah. Like, um, I I think that, and that was always my question growing up. How can someone Christian have these kinds of behavior? Right. You know, and I feel like, there's a lot of people that actually get to know God but don't embrace the process and the 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 call of sanctification. Right. And being transformed. Right. right. And I don't think my dad embraced that. Yeah. He lived a Christian a, a Christian life of going to church and doing things for God. Yes. And not ex- exactly being transformed in the presence yes. of God. Yes. So those two are, are very different things. And he 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 got saved and and lived Christianity at a time. And and you probably know this, like um, that it was a lot about preaching 
and take like preaching the gospel to the lost. So people would get saved and next week you're preaching. Right. It's right. like you're not discipled and prepared. Right, right. So I do think that my, a lot of my dad's behavior is to do with that. Yeah. It's not that he was evil. Right. Is that he he had a lot of um uh how would you call it but he had a lot of trauma from the past sure he had some um uh addictions mm -hmm. for example drinking mm -hmm. that didn't get deal with yeah and and i think that's why he ended up being where he was yeah. so going to london was a was a fresh start to basically okay let, let me see if i can start again yeah. and stuff so. so then he called for you guys, and that and you're seven years old. Yes, so that's a year later that he left, that we had not spoken to him okay. in a whole year. Yeah. Disappeared. We didn't even know that he had actually gone to London. Wow. Like, kind of. So how are, how are you living financially? Oh, my mom. My mom She's was out hustling. She's a survivor. Very, yeah, my mom, she's a survivor. Yeah, yeah. she is. So she took care of us. She fed us. She bought clothes for us. She worked a lot, like yeah. morning to late, you yeah. know. Um, and uh, so when my dad started to come back in the story, come to London, things are going to get better. I'm, I'm, I met the Lord again. I'm in church, mm. and uh, things have changed. And my mom was a woman of prayer. She... She used to pray. She didn't want to be a divorced woman. Right, right. You know, even though she went through a lot in her marriage, and I think they got married too young and too quickly. Sure. You know, there's a lot that we could talk about. Right. <laughs> that it's a consequence yes. of where they, are, where they were at that point. And so she would um, pray a lot. I remember um, being New Year's at that year that he actually called us, and my mom uh, being on her knees on the bedside praying with us that going to London was going to be the miracle that we needed yeah. to restore our family. So my mom believed yeah. that things could change. Yeah. So she sold her car, uh, bought our tickets, and we went. And so you didn't know any English? No English. No English. And so you just show up and then... You go to school. What happens? Yes, um, in 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 England, you it's really good actually how they embrace immigrants. Yeah, it doesn't matter your your status. Like you can you can get into school. Yeah, and so, but thank God we had a really a good status because my mom uh, got a student visa. Uh huh. But even if she didn't, we would be able to get into school. Um, and we got put into school straight away. So school in England is from 8.30 to 3 p.m. Yep. So we spend the whole day pretty much in school. And my mom had the chance to work mm -hmm. and to study English. Yeah. So, but even that, the time frame, now I'm used to that because that's how it is in the States. But here in Brazil, you go to school in the morning or half you go day. to school in the afternoon, half day. Yeah. So this was brand new. So you're going twice as long to school. Yes. It was really hard. In a language you don't know yet. It was so Exhausting. hard. Exhausting. I used to cry yeah. like every day. I can't even imagine. And it was me and my brother, and he's a, a year and a bit younger than me. But he was a boy, and he played football. So, <laughs> so he was a star. <laughs> he was a star straight away. People loved him. Yeah. And uh, I actually tried to play football to, to kind of be accepted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, but what I remember being maybe, you know, seven and a half, almost eight, and I used to always go underneath this tree on the breaks that we had, because yeah. we had throughout the day maybe three breaks. Yeah. And I used to have a diary, and I just used to write how I felt. I wow. still have it till this day. Do you really? Yeah. That's amazing. It was a tiny pink um, diary that I used to write how I felt, my friends that I missed, um, the little crush that I had on a boy that I didn't even know how to communicate because I didn't <laughs> speak English, you know. That's precious. Yeah. So wow. that was, my diary was my friend for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. And then, so by the end of that year, you're speaking English, would you say? Yes, pretty much. 
if you ask me how and what point did I speak English, I don't know. Right. Kids like, just learn it. I just learned. Yeah. Like I remember being in the class and all of a sudden I understood what he was saying. Yeah. And so that was year six that I, that I'm, that when I got there was year six. And then I was going to go straight into secondary school after that year. Yeah. And then when I moved to secondary school, I was already speaking. I mean, kind of broken English, sure. but I understood and yeah. made friends and was able to That's survive the, the start of an immigrant child yeah. without English. And so, and what happened with your dad? Yes. Yeah, so they, um, things was good for maybe like a year. Uh-huh. He was in church. When he was in church, things were great. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, it was, it would always be like that. A year in church, six months out mm. of church. Mm-hmm. A year in church, six months out of church. Yeah. And, um, and then after that year, things started to be bad again. We didn't experience, um, domestic violence in in a sense of him hitting my mom or anything like that in london praise wow. god because police in london they're the real deal yeah and if it's you go to different consequence and if you go to prison you don't get out right but i we did experience some level of domestic violence in the sense of breaking things sure and um it was kind of but i never hated him you know, I somehow felt his pain because I was the older child mm-hmm. and I used to always um, worry about my brother mm-hmm. and my mom, obviously, but I somehow had to be the bigger child, yeah. you know, and the responsible one. Mm-hmm. And so I used to try and protect my mom and tell her, go le- leave with Antonio, leave with my brother and I will stay mm. and I would stay. And I would listen to him. Hmm. I would listen to him cry. I would listen to him say sorry, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so somehow I, I didn't, obviously I didn't like the situation that we were in. But somehow without understanding the, the concepts, I knew that he was broken. Yeah. Like he didn't know how to be a husband. He didn't know how to be a father. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I could see that when he would cry. I mm-hmm. could see that when he would say sorry. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just wish that we, like I, I knew all I know today about maybe if he had seen, for example, a psychologist at that t- time, uh-huh. maybe uh-huh. things would have been different. Mm-hmm. Maybe if he had gotten help, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like medical help, for example, things would have been different. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but in many ways, your childhood was hijacked by his brokenness. Mm-hmm. Like you're a young girl counseling your father. Yes. That's many times. That's really traumatic. Yeah. I actually heard someone say to me um, that I need to actually understand that that was not okay. Right. That. Uh, even though I look back and I don't hate him and I have understanding, it's still not okay. Right. Because I was being a parent right. when I should have been the child and he should have been the parent. Yeah. So yeah. the the roles were, they were changed. Yeah. Pretty much. Definitely changed. But then, of course, the sovereignty of God, the grace of God, the redemption of God, mm-hmm. he uses those moments. Yes. And... And has deposited a strength and a resilience in you that is redeemed. Yes, yes. But sad still. Yes. Yeah. But I I do see that resilience. Yes. I do see that I can run faster, I can run harder, and Mm -hmm. I can go through hard times with a heart that is steady because of all that I've been through. Yeah, for sure. And so that situation ended, their marriage dissolved, your mom's a single mom again. Yes, so they realized that it was not going to work, they got separated, because they already were divorced. Oh, right, that's right. On, on, in, on the paper, yeah. so they were already divorced, so they separated, my dad um, 
went to, I don't know, do whatever he wanted. And my mom <laughs> um, moved to the other side of London, got a house and said, we're gonna, it's just going to be us, the three of us. Yeah. And for a season, it was the three of us. And we actually, it was the three of us for before that because my dad right. was in and out of the life of our lives and he used to sometimes when he had jobs sometimes he would be gone but he would have the most weird jobs like uh-huh. he would like my dad he in brazil he at one point he used to sell mattresses okay and he would be gone for like months selling mattresses yes <laughs> like he used to have a van with mattresses inside the van and how he got the job i don't know uh, at one point, he used to sell um, shrimp. Okay. And my house was full of um, freezers, full of shrimp everywhere. <laughs> like in our bedroom, in our living room. That's hilarious. Yeah. So it just was part of the furniture. Yes. Put your, nights, your, your bedside lamp on the freezer beside your bed. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> That's awesome. And our house used to smell yeah. of fish. Yes. And, um, and he would be gone. Like he used to sell like in selling knocking on houses yeah you know so it wasn't like a normal job it was weird little hustles on the side and so he was always gone for a long time yeah you know and so it was always me my mom and my brother yeah and so when they separated for good um it was just a less fighting less arguments you know yeah and being the three of us so now let's fast forward your mom meets who's going to be your future stepfather, Chris. Yes. And they fall in love. Yes, the story is kind of crazy. This podcast is going to go long, but um, <laughs> uh, I like to tell this story because God, he's so good in hijacking the story and mm-hmm. and turning the like ashes into beauty. Yeah. You know, my mom, at this point, she's broken. She's looking at her life, what did I do with the last 16 years of my life? Because she was married to my dad for 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened, like, I wasn't able to keep my marriage together. And I remember mm-hmm. we were at a church. Yeah. Um, like that year that I, that I said that we were praying um, on our bedside. Yeah. It was New Year's. So mm-hmm. every New Year's, my mom used to like to pray at the... From the 31st to the 1st. Okay. Always praying. Yes. Very Pentecostal. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we were at a church praying and a prayer meeting. And this guy prophesies to her and says, um, the Lord says that your pain ends today. It's a new season. Hmm. And um, he releases you. Wow. Because... I believe she felt like she was a failure and oh, okay. because she walked away from the marriage. Mm. And in that envi- Pentecostal environment, and at least that was our experience, it doesn't matter if you were abused, um, beaten, you would never get divorced. Okay, okay. Never. So a huge stigma yes. for her. Because I remember we used to talk to the pastors and the pastor would say, you have to enjoy this. You need oh to pray. Goodness. You need to, um, like, he's going to change. We need to believe in a miracle. And we did believe in a miracle. Mm-hmm. Like, we prayed for a miracle. My mm-hmm. mom believed in a miracle. Yeah. But I don't believe she had to go through all of that, you right. know? Right, And um, so she, walking out of the marriage, she felt a lot like a failure. Okay. Like, she was not... Um, she was a failure to God even because Mm. she was a divorced woman. And I remember that night, believe it or not, that man said, the the Lord releases you. Hmm. And he actually is going to um, like change in a matter of, in a small amount of time, you're going to conquer things that you didn't conquer in the last 16 years of your life. Wow. That's powerful. Very. So she's super encouraged. Very encouraged that uh-huh. night. And and he talked ab- uh, about um, financial as well. Like you, you're scared of how you're going to provide for for your family, but the Lord is going to prosper you. You're going to put your feet and your hands in places, and things are going to like prosper. Wow. And then she gets a job 
um, she goes for an interview to be a cleaner at a at a company, and who interviews her happen is today my stepdad, but yeah. at that time was was the owner of the company, yeah. and he looks at her and he says. I don't think you're the you have the profile of being a cleaner. I think you actually have the profile to actually be a supervisor in the company. Cuz wow. he was the owner of the company, yeah. the cleaning company. So my mom ends up being the supervisor of the company. The company had I don't know, I'm going to say a number here, but it was little, maybe yeah. 12 to 15 contracts sure. of cleaning places like pubs and restaurants and mm -hmm. stuff like that. In a matter of a year, like he had way more contracts and she was the one going getting these contracts amazing so she actually became like his right hand in the company okay so they in some ways built the company together yes but didn't have a relationship or anything right. like that and then um i turned 16 15 mm -hmm. and 15's a big birthday for us in right. brazil Right, different from the states in England, which is 16. But and then um, my mom says, "You want a trip or you want a party?" And I said, "I wanted a trip." So we came back to Brazil for the first time since we had gone. So I left Brazil when wow. I was seven. I come back when I'm seven, 15. Wow. Okay. So this is huge. Yes. Huge. Okay. And then um, three months in Brazil. Life is amazing. We're going to the beach holiday spending money everything is awesome seeing yeah. family and then um uh going back to london we're in immigration mm. and students are only allowed to work 16 hours in london okay and she had a student visa okay my mom was never illegal in london she right. always renewed her student visa right But you're only allowed to work 16 hours. And what they said is, how can you work 16 hours and provide for a family of three? Yeah. Like, there's something not yes. matching here. Right. And it wasn't, because she did work right. more than 16 yeah, hours. Yeah, of course. Um, and more so like did, 16 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't let her in. Oh, and wow. And they said, you can't go in, and uh, you have to go back to country. And then when we came back, she was like, okay, maybe it's time to go back and start life again in Brazil. And she was always that person. Let's start again. Okay. It's okay. We did it once. We did it twice. Let's do it three times. Yeah. Classic survivor. Yes. You just overcome. She puts it in school straight away, starts to uh, look for a job. And then Chris calls her and is like, no, we have to have you back. So that he's trying to get her a visa. He's trying to find ways to get her back into yeah. the nation. And nothing works. So he shows up in Brazil and opens up his heart and says that he's in love with her and he doesn't want to let her go. Aww. I mean, I'm telling really quickly, but right. and they end up getting married in a matter of like weeks. Yeah. I can't remember the amount of time exactly, but so they get married. My mom goes first with him. We live in Brazil, me and my brother, for four months by ourselves. Okay, let's just pause there for a minute. That's huge. Yes. You're 15. He's 13? Yes, turning 14. You're living on your own. Mm -hmm. So you're living on your own in an apartment. You're cooking, cleaning, paying the bills. Yes. Going to school. Yes. And managing your brother. Yes. That is insane. Because we couldn't tell anyone right. about it. Because right. Um, at this point, my dad's hearing that my mom's getting remarried. Okay. He's jealous. He doesn't want that to happen. So there's that fight. I'm going to take the kids from you. And there's right. all of that going on. And my mom is super scared that, right. to lose us. And so she's like, you can't tell anyone. So there's a fear that he's going to do a parental abduction. Yes. Which is awful. And so do you feel the impact of that fear? Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't believe he was going to go through it Yeah, with it, but anyhow. Um, but okay, so you're living on your own for four months. Yes. That's just insane. Yeah, I loved it, to be honest. <laughs> it was awesome. We used to ha get pizza all the time. Yeah, and yeah. I used to cook sometimes, and we used to be in school the whole like half day, like you said, yeah. it was half day, but yeah. then we had some... Uh, uh, extra classes in yeah. the afternoon, like volleyball, football. Uh -huh. So we would stay in the school. It yeah. was a private school, so it yeah. was a really good school. And we used to hang out at the school for mo the majority of the day. 
So, so your mom goes back, you're here, and then he's trying to get the visas to get you yes. guys in the country. Yeah, and the reason why we stayed, the lawyer said if, if they stay, it's better because I can actually say they are underage yeah. and they need the visa yes. quickly. So what was maybe going to take a year for us to get uh, a visa took us four months. Yeah. And then as soon as the visa arrived, we get on a plane, we arrive at my step my stepdad's house. So his house uh, is... Um, he he's always been single, so he gets married to my mom, and he gets a huge present, which is me and my brother, <laughs> <laughs> two teenage kids. Yeah, and he's I love this about him that he was he's way he's younger than my mom. Yeah, and but he was so honoring to yeah. us. You yeah, know, like his closet became my room, mm-hmm. and his office became my brother's room. Okay. I remember him giving us pocket money and taking a cinema and trying mm. to build relationship with us because we didn't know each other that mm. much. We knew each other from when he was my mom's boss. Yeah. When we saw him. Yeah. When we used to go to the office. Mm-hmm. And he he became a father to me without even knowing or wanting even. Without any any preparation or experience. Yes. He became a father and the type of father you had never known before. Yes. Which is really beautiful. Yes. And this is when I feel like the Lord, that word that my mom received that night. Yeah. It actually happened. Yeah. The Lord put Chris in our lives. Yeah. And, um, And he like became a father to us. My mom later had two kids. Of his, mm-hmm. which are my half brothers that I don't even consider half brothers. They're not. like my brothers. Yeah, I love them so much, and um, and we build a family. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and um, and when I look back, I do have some good memories with my real dad, and he he's not with us anymore. He he died a year before I got married, and and I just I I just think what a shame. Mm-hmm. that he he lost to build a beautiful family. Yeah. His choices got him where he he got. But on the other side, the Lord turned ashes into beauty. Yeah. The Lord said, "No, I'm going to redeem this story." Mm-hmm. My mom's story. Yeah. Our story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the Lord redeemed my dad's story to some degree as well because the end of his life, the Lord I met him, yeah, and I was able to see the Lord meeting him and telling him how much he loved him, you yeah. know so i i I saw my dad dying in love with the Lord, hmm. but it's a shame that he lost most of his life, right consequences are real, yeah, yeah, and so my stepdad he's he's a great man he is he is a great man i I remember being so shocked. At he's not that much older than you, like no. 10 years or something yes. like that. But the fact that he stepped into the role of your father, like for real, and coached you and mentored you and took yeah. care of you. And I remember even the season, the wedding season, mm-hmm. when he's telling Vinny, you honor my daughter and get her a big ring. Mm-hmm. The bigger the ring, the better the wedding will be. You know, yes. like, and he paid for it. And I don't know, it touched me and I wasn't you. So I can't even imagine the, the beauty of God showing himself a father, as a father through Chris. Yes, I tell him that all the time. And Amazing. if you hear this, Chris, you know that <laughs> That's I right. tell you this. That's if, right. If every birthday I message you saying, yes. you don't know how much you have ministered yes. the, the Lord's heart yeah. to my heart. Yeah. Because my stepdad, um, he... Okay, growing up, I never saw him without a shirt inside my house. Hmm. I never saw him, like, you know, getting all fiery with my mom in front of us. Yeah. You know, he was always respectful towards yes. me being a girl yeah. in the house. He, re- he mentored me in my teenage years with boys. 
yeah. trying to date me. He used to help me navigate yeah. that. Yeah. Like I remember sitting in the office with him and talking, oh, these boys, they are brothers. They like me. And I don't know, I go out for lunch with him, but then his bro- the other brother gets jealous. And he's he's like telling me, Emmy, this is not a good idea. They're brothers. Like, don't get into this. Yeah. Like, So I have we have history, yeah. you know, of him. Uh, I remember becoming a missionary, like him talking to me about this like are you sure like you need to get a degree like you know being a father in my life yeah and you let him yes because he won your respect because of his kindness yes he was always kind he was gentle he was respectful I love that you know and I always saw him as a provider yeah and I think the father figure is the provider is the one who speaks destiny into the home yes and he did he did that. Mm-hmm. He spoke destiny into our home. I saw our home prosper because of his leadership. Mm-hmm. Like we moved homes, mm-hmm. better homes. Yeah. Um, he bought cars. Mm-hmm. Like things moved up, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. he conquered things because of his leadership mm-hmm. in our lives. It's amazing. I remember this I I I wanna share this because I remember going back to London at this point when he married he married my mom and all of that, and I missed GCSE, which is the a very a preparation for GCSE, which in year ten in London mm-hmm. in England you prepare for this big exam, which yeah. is the GCSE. Yeah, and my brother is actually going through this now, and he's helping my brother so much, and um, and I the schools didn't want to accept me. Hmm. And they said, because you're not going to pass. Like, you've missed a whole year. Right. So no school accepted me. Wow. And he said, we're going to get a private tutor, and you're going to study privately, and you're going to pass this test. Yeah. So for a whole year, he paid for me to have private teacher, and I passed the test. It's amazing. I, I didn't do all the... the the subjects, but I the most important one, which was English and maths, I needed to get a C yeah. to pass. And I remember that I got a B. Yeah. And I was so happy. Yeah. Because that impacted later Everything. on. Yeah. You know, my choices in studying. And it was because he stepped in. Hmm. You know, so I love that. So we we know, you know, there are several things we know from from Vinny's podcast. You know about you guys. You came to IHOP. You you did you did that in in Kansas City. Get married to Vinny. You know you guys ended up being the leaders of FHOP, which was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that to me is a hallmark of who you are is your gift of faith. Mm-hmm. You have faith to believe for the impossible. I've seen you do it time and time again. And you act often as an anchor, even for Vinny. Mm-hmm. And he can easily see all the details and go, okay, well, we got to do da, da, da. And you give the big picture. And you remind Vinny and you remind the FHOP community and you ri- remind others around you what God is able to do, not just based on airy fairy faith, but based on you have seen the Lord provide mm-hmm. in crazy ways. Yes. So, Talk to me a little bit. Give me some of your testimonies. I just, I love to hear some of your testimonies of God's provision for you. I will start saying that I heard this preaching when I was maybe 17 that um, I, this preacher said, I don't want to just read the story in other people's biography. Yes. I want to have my own story. Yes. And he was talking in the context of money. And I said, I prayed that day and I said, yeah. I want to build my own story. Yeah. I want to have history with the Lord. Yeah. So I want to have faith for the impossible mm-hmm. and be able to write that in my biography yeah. one day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and people read about it and be mm-hmm. encouraged about it. And so um, I have a few stories, but I'll tell one um, that I was, I wanted to go to Kansas City. Yeah. I hop. It was one of my dreams to yeah. go there and see that place. And and so I used to pray about it, but it was a very far reality for me. Because right. at that point, I was a missionary. I had no money. Right. You're and, living in London. You're serving in the prayer room there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember the Lord, uh, I had just left my job, actually, and, beca- and became a full-time missionary. Yeah. And um, 
the whole the money that I had received that month, that last month of working, mm-hmm. I actually gave it away. And I said, I want to see what the Lord's going to do with that. Hmm. Let's see. I want to build my story. I want to have my story. Yeah, I love this. And I remember I used to take care of the social media of the prayer room in London. Yeah. And I remember being on Facebook and adding people from IHOP so that they could see our page and see that there was a prayer room in, in, in London. And I had this woman that I actually mixed up the names. It was supposed to be a worship leader from the prayer room. Ended up being another woman. <laughs> and But she was from IHOP as well. And she, we started talking. And yeah. she started saying, oh, what do you guys do? Love prayer room. That's amazing. Uh, I'm from IHOP, blah, blah, blah. And we ended up being uh, internet friends. Yeah. You know? And one day she says to me, Emmy, I had a dream that you came to Kansas City and you stayed in my house. She was a single mom. Yeah. And she said, are you coming to Kansas City? I'm like, not that I know of, but I would love to. And she said, well, I think you're coming. And if you do come, my house is your house and Mm. you can stay in my house. Okay, so I have a house to go. So my eyes are like, okay, so maybe the Lord's doing something and I'm praying, believing. This woman from our community, an old lady, comes up to me and says, "Um, I had a dream that I uh, took you to a travel agency and I bought a ticket for you to go somewhere where it's open 24-7. Where is that? Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, that's IHOP. Like, yes. So she took me to the travel agency. We bought the ticket. Mm. So I'm going to One Thing Conference in 2000. And the awakening, when did it happen? 2009? Nine, yeah. Yeah, it was that one thing. So I, I am flying to the States. I remember my stepdad taking me to the airport saying, you're crazy. You're going somewhere you've never been. You don't know this person that you're staying at their house. Uh Are you crazy? Like, Uh I don't think you should do this. And I'm like, no, I'm going. This, the Lord is with me, blah, blah, blah. And I actually have no money. Right. And I'm going. I, maybe I have like $50 in my pocket. So I show up in Kansas City. It's snowing so much. I've never seen so much snow in my life. The woman picks me up. She is not crazy. She is not <laughs> going to take me to prostitution. She wasn't a serial killer. No, she wasn't a serial killer or taking me to prostitution. <laughs> she receives me in her house, and um, and I'm going to the One Thing Conference. And it's amazing. The Lord meets me. It's beautiful. After One Thing, I stay for an extra five days. And they used to do these little um, conference like. It was like a conference or teaching, workshop, I don't know, mm-hmm. after one thing. Mm-hmm. And I stayed. Yeah. And I remember lining up outside FCF and um, it's snowing. Which is IHOP's church. Yeah, yeah, IHOP's church. And there is a lot of snow. My coat is open. Yeah. And the lady behind me says, close your jacket. And I'm like, my new business. <laughs> And um, she turns, and I turn around and say, like, thank you. And she says, where are you from? And I'm like, uh, London. You're from London? England? <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, yes, London is in England. And cutting the story short, she doesn't leave my sight. She's very talkative. She uh-huh. talks a lot. And um, I sit down. She's sitting down next to me. And she's, I'm like, what is wrong with this woman? Right. And um, she she's asking me, do you need a ride to go somewhere? Have you eaten? Let's go eat. Let's go have food. So during the breaks, she would take me to have dinner. She would take me to have breakfast. She would take me to have lunch. So she's, and she's paying. And she pays. And I, the first time, the first lunch, or the first dinner, because it was actually dinner that day, I go with her, but I said I'm not hungry because I don't have, you money, don't have money to pay. You have money, yeah. And my host used to do these pack lunch for me to yeah, take, which yeah. she was amazing for doing that. Right. But that was all I had to eat. Right. And, she, and I said, no, I'm not hungry. She's like, of course you're hungry. Don't worry. Ask, get whatever you want. I'm paying. Oh. And so I would, I remember we went to um, Applebee's yeah. to eat. And I loved it. I ate <laughs> so much. And um, 
So four days of the intensive that we did yeah. there, that workshop intensive thing. Uh, I was on the prophetic, I remember. Uh, at the end of the four days, she's leaving. So she says, can we, uh, can we spend the night in the prayer room? Wouldn't that be amazing? Like we pray for the whole night. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So we go to the prayer room and in the prayer room, you can't sleep. Right. Otherwise the ushers come and like say, hey, you can't sleep. Hit you with a nightstick. No. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> and Although let me interject this. Dwayne's dad took a nap on the second row, took his coat off, made a pillow, intentionally slept, thinking this is the best place to sleep. I'm going to get spiritual dreams here. <laughs> did he get poked? No. Oh, that's good. Maybe because he was I an did. old man, they just let him sleep. But I love that about him. He was just like, no, this is the best place to sleep. That's funny. It was kind of true. Place, yeah. environment of prayer. Right. But I remember they poked me and said, oh, you can't sleep in the prayer room. And I remember saying to her, I'm super tired. And she said, oh, just come to my apartment. And she was staying at the Hern Hut, right. which is the apartments next to IHOP. So walking distance. Yeah, yeah. you can rent. And we get in the apartment, and she says... Emmy, she was very intensive. So you intense, would, yeah, very intense. So you get the feeling that she, you would like if you didn't get to know her, you would think she's crazy. Sure, but she would say, "Can I play the violin for you?" This is like <laughs> three a.m. and I'm like, "Play the violin at three a.m." Okay, so I sit down and she plays the violin for me, like, and at first I'm like, "This is crazy," but then crazy the holy spirit just starts to move and i start crying hmm. and um so she plays for a few minutes and i'm like crying and the lord's ministering to my heart yeah and she stops playing and she says emmy um i think it's time that i tell you why i've been so close to you these past four days like jo no joking the first thing that came to my head was oh my gosh She's a serial killer. She's trying to kill me. <laughs> First thing that came to my head was what my stepdad said. Right, exactly. Uh, on at the airport, but it was. I've been nothing. grooming you to eat you because I'm a cannibal. <laughs> Almost that, and I was like, oh my gosh. But then she said she she pulled out a present and she gave me one of her shirts that I had said to her. Oh, your shirt's so beautiful. It was black and it had lace, like black lace on the arm. And she said, you said you liked this shirt, so I want to give it to you. And she gave me the shirt and she gave me a diary. And um, little did she know that I always had a diary. Like I told you yeah. my experience as a, as a child, uh, I've always liked having diaries. Yeah. And writing my thoughts and my feelings. And she gave me a diary. And on the diary it said princess. And then she wrote of London with the pen. And yeah. she said, I want to give you this as a reminder of who you are before the Lord. F uh, uh, last week I was at home and praying. And I work a lot. Yeah. She's a per she was at that time. I don't know what she does today. But she was a personal assistant to a very wealthy man uh -huh. and he said to her out of the blue here's the card you need some vacation go wherever you want you have a week off go wherever you want and she goes to pray because this is not normal yeah and when she's praying the lord speaks to her go to ihop for this intensive this yeah. prophetic intensive and you're going to meet a girl a princess from london my goodness. A princess of England. Yes. England. And she wrote England, actually. It was in London. That's why she questioned London in England, because she was going to meet a princess from England, and it was for her to take care of this princess for four days. Feed her, drive her, love her, and mm. tell her that she is loved. My goodness. Yes. That's powerful. It's crazy. I, I get emotional about it when I think about you it. You should. And um, I was always so afraid of what was going to be my future. Yeah. I was always so afraid with my whole context of growing up. And um, if I'm going to be a missionary, what's going to happen to me? Like, who's going to take care of me? How am yeah. I going to survive? Yeah. And I was, I had just became a full-time missionary. So I was so scared. Yeah. 
And the Lord took me there to tell me that. And mm. she said, she started ministering because she knew my story. I told her and mm -hmm. we got to know each other. And she started prophesying over me. The Lord is your provider. He's going to take care of you. Mm. Like he has called you to ministry. He has called you to be part of his story and you don't need to worry. And he brought you here this way for you to see mm. who is your God. And That's so um, that story is really special to me. Hmm. It's going to be in my biography. Yeah, as it should. That's amazing. And so, I mean, that just speaks so much about God. Like, he wanted to take care of you, mm -hmm. and he wanted to do it through another human being. Mm -hmm. So it, so two stories get intersected. Yes. And so she gets encouraged she heard God. You get encouraged that God cares so much about you that he wants to take care of you, feed you, and clothe you, yes. drive you. I love that. And so you have, you have many stories like that. Yes, I have a few. And so what, how has that impacted you in your view of God? I'm not afraid. That's I'm amazing. not afraid to go and to start again. I'm not afraid to, you know, do new things and yeah. believe for big things. And I, I honestly believe that God cares. Yeah. God is near. Yeah. God is not far away. Yeah. He's interested. Like, th there's many stories, but there was w one story at one point. I wanted to eat specific chicken, KFC. And <laughs> KFC shows up at my door. Someone mm. is eating KFC, thought of me, and brings KFC to my door. Like, Unbelievable. It's only God. Yeah. Like, he hears. He cares about the details. Yes. He doesn't just care about the big picture of what, you know, where humanity is going. Of course, he cares, and he's writing the story, but he cares about us as individuals. Mm -hmm. And he, he wants to show us how much he cares and how much yeah. he loves. So mm -hmm. um, that has impacted me in a way where I'm not afraid. Yeah. I'm not afraid to do life. I'm not afraid to, you know, to believe for the impossible because everything is possible for God. Yeah. If it's in his will, yes. it's possible. That's awesome. So you live with hope. Yes. Yeah. So you guys are now the leaders of FHOP. Mm -hmm. You didn't sign up for that initially. That wasn't what you were thinking you no. were going to do. And here you are. And so what's your heart for FHOP? I really believe in the praying church. Mm -hmm. I will never forget when I was so devastated when the prayer room in London closed. Mm -hmm. The prayer room marked my life so much. Yeah. Like there the prayer room, the message of the prayer room and just being in the prayer room brought me like meaning to my life. Yeah. Like I feel like I belong. Yeah. And when that prayer room closed, I felt like my story was over. Like, and the Lord said, hey, come up here. Let me show you what I'm doing. Yeah. Come up here. And the Lord started saying to me, I'm not coming back to a prayer room. Yeah. I'm coming back to a praying church. Yes. I'm going to meet my church. Yeah. And what I'm doing, what I did in London with you and, and that group of people, I'm doing all across the earth. Yeah. I'm raising a praying church mm -hmm. that loves me and is going to cry, come Lord Jesus. Amen. And so my hope and my desire, my dream for FHOP is that we would be a small part of what the, the Lord is doing all over the earth. Yeah. That we would be faithful mm -hmm. to the calling of night and day prayer, yes. persistent prayer, yes. whatever that may look like. A, a church that loves one another, that loves the Lord, that is being transformed in the image of God as we go deep in the Bible, as we go deep in mm -hmm. the Word of God, and that we would um, be faithful to communion and relationship mm -hmm. with the Lord in the place of prayer. Mm -hmm. And good. that we would be an example yeah. to others that that's possible, and that's yeah. what the Lord is doing. I love that. And you have written some amazing songs. Mm -hmm. And without it being your desire, the Lord has made you a voice in this nation through some of the songs you've written. Yes. And did you expect that? Um, I didn't because I always thought of myself lesser than. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't, you know, I'm not the singer that grew up 
that was born with an amazing voice. Mm-hmm. So automatically, I I always felt I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I worked hard, right? Uh, voice lessons and school. I studied uh-huh. music and and I worked hard till this day. But I feel like the Lord um, has given me this place of being a voice, not because of the beauty of my voice, uh-huh. but because of the authority there is in knowing him. Yes. And so I'm very aware that I am what I am, not because that I'm good or yeah. because I I got there because of my gifts. Mm-hmm. No, I mm-hmm. I am where I am because I have chosen to know the Lord. Yeah. And he has graciously allowed me to be a, a channel so that others would know him. Mm-hmm. through what I have experienced. So mm-hmm. most of my songs that from uh, have been written out of this place yeah. of my dialogues with the Lord. Yeah. Me in the prayer room. Yeah. Me in the place of prayer. Mm-hmm. And so um he said that to me. People are not going to hear you because of the beauty of your voice. They're mm-hmm. going to hear you because you're going to carry an authority from a place of someone who knows me, who yeah. sits at the table and eats yes. from the table. Yes, and that that is who you are, mm. and you have zeal for his house. Yes. A lot of people use that expression, you know, it's a, a Bible verse, but it's like, it's so much more than just a verse. To, to you, you really share in the Lord's zeal for his house mm. to be a house of prayer for all nations. And it's consumed you. It's, yes. it's been what has gotten you out of bed. It's what you think about at night. And I just conversations with you. I, I, it's still there. It's still fresh. It's still real. You're still contending for his house. Mm-hmm. And I love that about you, Emmy. I'm really proud of you. And to see you step into this place of favor, it's not a surprise to me. I would have chosen you. <laughs> I mean, I just think, I remember the first um, one thing where you led, like led, you know, in Kritichiba. I can't remember what year it was. 2017. And you started out with the song, We Exalt Thee. Mm-hmm. And I went, there it is. There's Emmy, who just wants to exalt the Lord. Mm-hmm. And nothing's changed so there, you got millions of views on YouTube, or if you have no views on YouTube, you won't change because you want to exalt him. And I, I love that about you. Amen. So Thank you. It's an honor to talk with you, my friend. Thank I you. I love you so much. I love you too. Thank you for doing this podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, my privilege. Okay, so you guys, you just heard Emmy Souza. She is amazing. Her and her husband, Vinny, lead the Florianopolis House of Prayer which is a church and a missions base, and they do conferences. And there's like over 100 missionaries here. Please support them. Your money goes a long way. FHOP.com, give there, and you will be investing into the prayer movement that's not just touching a city, it's touching a nation. And there are worship leaders coming out of FHOP that are writing songs that are impacting the theology of Sunday morning services because people are singing truths of the Word of God. When you invest in this community, you are investing in a nation. And I want to invite you, even if it's a one-time gift, it goes far. Please invest in this community. They are worthy of all the support you can give them. And I love them. And it'll bless me if you do. Thanks so much.